one is all things, all life, all love. We all come together in the form of energy, though we may exist on different vibrations. Our sound is one, our unity is one, and our life is one. Keep shining.
Can you hear me now? Check, check, check. Mic check. Can you hear me now? I was muted, and then I put myself on mute. My goodness. We're going to get it right, though. Uh-oh. My God. Okay, so I I think you can hear me now. What happened first was I usually put myself on mute during the uh during the intro song cuz I don't want to be hurt. Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. So I usually put myself on mute during the intro song so you can't hear, you know, the background noise. And then um I think they called and told me I wasn't being heard, so then I put myself on mute. I checked my mic and then so yeah. But I'm here now. <laughs> So, this is a special edition of Circle Sisters Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Excuse me. Uh, This is the 4th of July edition, and um, as I was saying, but you didn't hear me, this is a new format, and so I'm a little bit nervous, and I want to, you know, because you want it to be right, you want it to be good, Um, and so the way we're going to do it is... Um, after the introductions, I'm going to um, we're going to play a selection, and um, you know just to set the tone for the show for tonight. And you know what? I think I'm going to have to play a selection earlier because I hear the fireworks, and I know my daughter's probably in there freaking out. Um, so let me go ahead and just play this meditation. So um, this meditation is going to get us on the same page because tonight we're going to talk about the 4th of July, not so much from the the uh, the common uh, understanding of the 4th of July, so much, you know, what we learn in school as far as the Declaration of Independence. This is going to be more so from the, the more esoteric hidden side of the 4th of July and um, you know, we're going to break that one down a little bit, just a little bit. So let me play this while I get my daughter situated. So, yeah, just relax. Relax your mind. Relax your body. Get in a comfortable position. Breathe in. Breathe out. And I'm going to see you or I'll chat with you in about five minutes. All right. Hello and welcome to the Healing Solar Plexus Meditation. I am Nicole Kazi, your life coach and Reiki master, specializing in happiness. Your solar plexus is located in your stomach region, and this chakra is responsible for influencing your self-confidence, emotional regulation, ego, energy, and happiness. If your chakra is out of balance, you may experience physical stomach pains or ulcers, diabetes, adrenal imbalances, anxiety, depression, fear of rejection, or other self-esteem issues. Yellow is the color of our solar plexus chakra. Imagine a bright, warm, yellow light surrounding your stomach area as you repeat the following affirmations. I am taking my power back. I trust the guidance I receive 
from my higher self. I am releasing the trauma from within my solar plexus chakra and I am allowing it to heal. I choose to treat myself with love and respect. I always have a strong sense of purpose. I am moving forward in my life with confidence and power. My love for myself is unconditional. I am becoming more and more focused on opening, aligning, and healing my solar plexus chakra every day. I am taking my power back. I trust the guidance I receive from my higher self. I am releasing the trauma from within my solar plexus chakra and I am allowing it to heal. I choose to treat myself with love and respect. I always have a strong sense of purpose. I am moving forward in my life with confidence and power. My love for myself is unconditional. I am becoming more and more focused on opening, aligning, and healing my solar plexus chakra every day. I am taking my power back. I trust the guidance I receive from my higher self. I am releasing the trauma from within my solar plexus chakra and I'm allowing it to heal. I choose to treat myself with love and respect. I always have a strong sense of purpose. I am moving forward in my life with confidence and power. My love for myself is unconditional. I am becoming more and more focused on opening, aligning, and healing my solar plexus chakra every day. Okay, so that was pleasant. <laughs> Her voice was very pleasant. So, um, yes, hopefully, you know, you were able to kind of just relax and listen to 
listen to that meditation. And although it is very, um, it's very basic, it's just a basic relaxation, affirmation type meditation, but it definitely um it will do it, it it will do the job. It'll help open the door rather. And it definitely um speaks to what we're talking about today. So um let's go. So tomorrow is July fourth and it's celebrated as the fourth of July, which is commonly known to be the date celebrated um for the signing of the Declaration of Independence, which was the pivotal act of sovereignty of the European immigrants. Um, of those leading European immigrants, putting their own mother nation, their financier, and their governing bodies on notice that they, the land-owning brotherhood, would no longer be under the queen's rulership. <clears throat> now, um, that's pretty much the story we get in school. When you, as you continue your education, as you continue, you know, seeking out information and, and knowledge, You'll come across the Moors, and the Moors will have a whole different perspective on on the 4th of July, on the signing of the Declaration of Independence, on the origin of this country, on the policies and, and civics, you know, because they, they more so come at it from um, not so much the European standpoint, more so they come at it from the sovereign nation of, of Morocco and um and from from an African, northern African perspective, northern slash eastern African perspective. And so they come at it from that stance. And, and also from this continent, um, if there's any Moors on the line or anyone knowledgeable, you know, uh, of the Moors um, scholarship, then feel free to dial 1. The phone number is 516-595-8108, and you can definitely articulate it better than I can. I have studied um, a bit of the Moorish history and of the Moorish um, perspective, and um, but, you know, I don't know everything. You know, I don't know it all. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, yeah. So the Moors are going to come at it from a little bit different, and um, – you want to look into that branch of, of knowledge to get the other side of the Declaration of Independence and the Founding Fathers and, and who they're, you know, who the United States of America is sovereign to or, or beholden to, rather, because they would say that um, we're still very much affiliated and even in some instances uh, paying tributary to and uh, paying taxes and and um, under the rulership of the crown, and if not the crown, then definitely the, the Roman Catholic Church. So, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I've, I've heard the case, and it sounds pretty good to me. So y'all can hit up Sabir Bay, my brother Sabir, or y'all can hit up Taj, the elder Taj Tariq Bay um, for just a basic introduction. They can point you in the direction you would need to go if you're more interested in learning, um, you know, the other perspective of the United States of America and uh, the Declaration of Independence and what in, what that actually was, what that document actually was. But tonight's show is more so the 4th of July from the esoteric side. And um, the esoteric side is the hidden side, it's the veiled side. And um, it's been hidden because it's a source of power 
And, you know, if everybody had access to it, then it would diminish the power of it. Uh, And it's veiled because, you know, it's not just common knowledge. It is hidden in plain sight. However, because, you know, we have a veil over our eyes due to our ignorance and our miseducations, we can't see what's in front of our face. And so um, tonight we're going to talk about the why of the 4th of July, like why is this specific date, why is this date significant? And um, I would go as far as to say that um, the 4th of July while definitely, you know, the Revolutionary War was fought, and definitely there is a document that we can go look at that is called the Declaration of Independence, and it has been signed by, you know, by the quote-unquote fathers of the United States of America. Not my father, but, <laughs> but you know, the quote-unquote original fathers of the United States of America, the corporate corporation, um, I would say that that date was also chosen for a very specific reason, and um, and that reason has a lot to do with uh, Egypt, as a matter of fact. It has a lot to do with Egypt. And so it's pretty common knowledge that the founding fathers, um, I wish I had a better term to call them, but we'll just call them the founding fathers of the United States of America for now. Um, it's pretty common knowledge that they were mostly initiated uh, Master Masons, Excuse me. They were master masons, and this can be seen not only in their clothing and their regalia. Can also be seen um, there's lodges in Washington D.C. Oh, what's the brother's name? Um, Not the book. Let me see. Uh, Anthony Browder does an eloquent job of articulating um, exactly, you know, ways of telling that that this nation was ordered and built based off of Egyptian um, sciences and mystery systems. I actually have the book here in front of me. And so if I can find an an, uh, article in here, I will read it to you. But, um, yeah, so the Founding Fathers were Masons. They were knowledgeable of the mystery systems of Egypt. And so they would have known that on the 4th of July, um, it was it was known as, let me, I wrote this down for y'all. Let me write the date, the name, the exact name. It was known as the Coming of Soap Debt. So the 4th of July was called the Coming of Soap Debt. And Soap Debt was an Egyptian goddess. She was the goddess of fertility. She was the she was a water goddess. She was often affiliated with water. She was affiliated with fertility, not only feminine fertility, but also the land fertility. Because on the fourth of July, the Nile River officially, you know, flooded. It was called the inundation of the Nile. And so this is the time that the Nile would begin to rise, the waters would begin to rise and it meant that, you know, life would be would soon be um, renewed and replenished. The waters would, you know, flow from the Nile, flow into the gardens and the crops in the fields, flow into the rivers and the streams, and the people would have, you know, their lands would be replenished and they would have the water 
that is vital and necessary for life. And so this occurred on the 4th of July. And um, so, just a second. That occurred on the 4th of July. Got a lot of notes here, y'all. All right, so that's part of it. So not only did the Nile River begin to rise on the 4th of July, um, the 4th of July is also the time when the Sirius star system would be aligned with the Earth and would be aligned with the sun. So this morning, uh, well, in that time, July 4th, um, right before sunrise, you can look up, and you would see the brightest star in the sky, which is known as Sirius. You would see Sirius, and Sirius would be um, aligned with the Earth as well as with the sun. And that was an extremely important, um, it's just an important date because, uh, which is just too deep to get into on just one show, but if you're familiar with Sirius, you know what a literally heavy <laughs> What a heavy planet Sirius is, and Sirius uh, is such a massive planet that uh, the sun orbits Sirius, right? So, you know, when it comes to the bigger boss in our solar system, in our uh, galaxy, Sirius would be would be that planet. And so the fact that, you know, we could look up and see Sirius with our naked eye and that Sirius had formed a line with the earth and the sun, it was a time to definitely do your rituals and your offerings and just uh, be present in the moment because that means that that rain that showers down, it means that those solar rays that are touching and kissing your skin, it means everything in the air around you has the essence of Sirius and um, you know some people even go as far as to say that you know some some of the some of the beings on this earth uh, Credo Muata um, actually says that you know his people come from Sirius the first people on this earth the first beings on this earth uh, came from that system and so that's that's pretty heavy that's pretty deep so that is the 4th of July and then you get your red white and blue so your red, white, and blue, uh, Sirius is not only one planet. It's actually a star system. It's three planets. And so those three planets, um, when you, if you were to have a telescope and you were really able to look at them, I mean, our ancestors didn't need telescopes. I'm not saying they didn't have them. I'm sure they had them because they had those type of technologies. But, you know, fast forward to 2017, if you look at them in a very powerful telescope, you look up, you will see that their hues happen to be red, white, and blue. And so um, this knowledge has, you know, was passed down, passed down, passed down through the mystery systems and the priesthood and the priestesshoods. And so those master masons who founded our country would have been knowledgeable of this. They would have been knowledgeable that this was the beginning of the new year in the Egyptian system. This was the high day. This was the day of all days in Kemet because life was guaranteed to proceed for at least another season because the Nile River was beginning to flood. It was beginning to rise. And so um, in honor of that, as well as 
to harness that same energy because the energy is still there. Even though time had, you know, lapsed and hundreds of thousands of years had passed, the same same star still rose and the same star still set. And so that same energy that the Egyptians used um, to do their rituals and to do their ceremonies and to um, make their sacrifices and to give their offerings and to forward their will and to continue to... um, Produce, you know, to 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 excuse me, to continue to um, what am I trying to say? To continue to make sure that society functioned at its optimal level. Um, they did their ceremonies and rituals on this day. And they harnessed that energy of the sun at its prime and Sirius at its prime and Earth at its prime. And so those Master Masons took that information and, um, you know, and brought it over here and and made their own rituals and ceremonies around it. And so that's where you get your red, white, and your blue from. That's from the Sirius star system. That's what those colors symbolize. Um, That's what you also get your 4th of July. This date, this date was so important that um, July happens to be named after Julius Caesar. It was not called July uh, forever. (laughs) You know, he decided, um, well, they say that the council, the Roman uh, Senate, decided to name this month after Julius Caesar. And prior to him, this month was called Quintilis because it was the fourth month, remember, the new year um, in, in the northern hemisphere starts in April. That's when um, that's when you know the, the frost has pretty much uh, melted, and you start to see those first springs of life coming through the earth. And so, prior to Julius Caesar, it was called Quintilis, and they decided to change the name to July. And then you hear the term the Dog Days of Summer. You know, uh, Sirius is known as the dog star. That's where that colloquialism comes from, the dog days of summer. So let me make sure I've been pretty thorough as best I can. Okay, lastly, so time has changed and, you know, the earth has increased its spin and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's orbit is no longer in the same place. And so today was very significant. So hundreds of thousands of years ago, July 4th would have been the day that, you know, we would have honored um, Sirius. Today, however, was actually the Earth's aphelion, A-P-H-E-L-I-O-N. And um, aphelion is known as the day that the most, that the Earth is at its most distant point from the sun. So the northern hemisphere is currently at the most distant point from the sun today. Today, actually at 3 p.m., 3.11 p.m. So just think back to what you were doing today (laughs) at 3.11 p.m. And I hope it was, you know, something you want to be doing for the next couple of seasons because, you know, that's the intention that the universe picked up on um, at that point in time. So that's that's the jubilee and the celebration for today, July 3rd. 
is the Aphelion, Apilion, I think it's P-H, so it's pronounced with the F, Aphelion, but you are, you know, you can look that up, A-P-H-E-L-I-O-N, and so, um, you know, distance from the sun does not determine the seasons, our distance from the sun doesn't change much at all, uh, because the earth pretty much, you know, keeps the same semi-circular orbit, uh, we remain on average around 93 million miles away from the sun. However, um, on today, on the Aphelion Day, that distance, you know, average is, is the composite of the high and the low. Well, today would be the highest point. So today we were um, 94,000, excuse me, 94,505,901 miles uh, <laughs> away from the sun, so yeah, no, take 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 it how you want it. I've always been told that energy resonates for three days, typically about uh, seventy-two hours. So no worries if you was you know doing something you might not want to be doing for the next couple of seasons. Today you still got about mm, sixty more hours, <laughs> sixty more hours to get it right. So, you know, today I made sure that I went to the park and um, I went to the park and just spent some time in the sun soaking it up. I let my crystals recharge and just spent time in meditation. <sighs> and it felt so good. And so I plan on doing that for the next couple of days, too, as much as I can. I want to be out there in the heat, in the hot, yes. I'm going to be out there getting black and sweaty and loving every minute of it, drinking lots and lots and lots of water to make sure I don't get dehydrated and to make sure, you know, that I'm, 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 I remain at 70% similar to the earth. Okay, I think that's all I wanted to share with you. Um, again, the phone number is, seven, excuse me, <laughs> 516-595-8108, 516-595-8108. So I hope that was clear. Um, to recap, July 4th, um, from the esoteric perspective, from the celestial perspective, is the day that Sirius A, B, and C are aligned with the earth and with the sun. It is a ritual high day. Um, it has been this way for hundreds of thousands of years. The uh, the the commissions the are the Egyptians recorded this day. You can see it, you know, when you look to um, when you look at the hieroglyphics and this holiday, this holy day has trickled down, trickled down, trickled down, trickled down to the United States of America. And the most important day, because today is in essence the most important day in the United States of America's history, is the Independence Day. It is the first day that America, you know, was born. It's the inception of America. So what better day to put the inception of America on than the day um of the 4th of July, which happens to be the inception, you know, of of the new year in the commission um, system. So I also wanted to, to just call on the name of Soap Debt again. Um, S-O-P-D-E-T is one spelling of it. 
she um like I said she was a she was a goddess in the Egyptian um pantheon, a high goddess. Um obviously she was a high goddess because she she made sure that that Kemet stayed alive and vibrant. Um and so, you know, definitely when you're doing your your rituals and you're making your offerings, you want to make sure that you call her name and give her thanks and um you know, she's also known as the mother of Venus. Soap debt. Pert, pert, soap debt. Best I can say it. So, yeah, that's that. I'm going to play a little ditty. And when I come back, we are going to, I'm going to introduce to you this month's book study. Uh-oh, screen went blank. This month's book study, it is called Inanna, Lady of the Largest Heart. And it's a book, uh, Poems of the Sumerian High Priestess, Inheduanana. Inheduanana. She was a Sumerian high priestess who was a devotee of Inanna. And Inanna would basically be in the line of soap debt. Yeah. All right, so... Play a little ditty, and when I come back on the other side, we will meet the book. Mm-hmm. Let me find my song. Where you at? Where they at, though? Bye. 
Uh, that is That Mama and Ibadu. And uh, that song, from what I read, is uh, based on the Bandy Snake, which is, you know, a out of Africa. I believe it's one of the most deadliest snakes. Uh, but it, it has a very enticing um, wind. And so I think it's one of the fastest snakes in the world, too. So, you know, that also speaks to today, to the energy of today, to the, the meditation that we did um, at the beginning of the show, to that solar plexus energy, you know, making sure that you you stay lifted in energy, you stay lifted in that vital energy of I can and I will. So, yeah, in a nah, lady of largest heart, poems of the Sumerian high priestess in Heduanana by Betty Deshrong Medor. At last, here it is, a philosophical story told by a woman and centering on the sacred creative powers of the feminine. And it is a dark story indeed. Quixotic in the many elements of life and death, sacred and profane. Even qualities of gender itself are challenged and redefined in the hands of the high priestess poet of Ur. In Meter's hands, Enheduanana's poetry is sure-voiced and inspired, clear, poignant, full of tinsel strength, paying full tribute to the passion, power, and wisdom of the poet. To place the Sumerian poet in Huduanana in a timeline, she lived 1,700 years before Sappho, 1,100 years before Homer, and just about 500 before Abraham. If we place his birth at 1,700 BCE, Enhiwadunana wrote her poetry very early in the evolution of writing, perhaps 300 years after cuneiform vocabulary developed sufficiently to handle linguistic concepts. To have 4,500 lines from such an early writer, the mother of written poetry, is the pouring of fresh deep water into the well from which all writers drink. That is from the introduction to the book. And now I am going to, oh, that was from the forward, excuse me. Now I'm going to turn to the introduction on page six and read a little bit um, from the introduction. And next week when we come back, we will dive into chapter two, uh, the introduction of chapter one. Okay, so here we go. Enhuaduanana was high priestess to the moon god Nana at his temple at Ur around 2300 BCE. Now let me stop. If you recall the book that we read two months ago, um, The Mother of the Civilization, by Dr. Suzar, you remember that Nana is actually a feminine goddess. It is a mother goddess. However, this is a different text. <laughs> this was, you know, transcribed and transliterated by different writers. Um, and so we have to kind of make sure that we reference, that we use our reference 
our references to kind of pierce the veil of the sh- you know of that which is not quite true. But I digress. Okay. Mm-hmm. Appointed to this sacred position by her father, Sargon of Ag- of Agde, Inhua Danana developed the high priestess's post at Ur, a city in southern Mesopotamia, into the most important religious office in Sumor. During the almost 40 years, she performed her sacred role. Skipping down. First, we must get a sense of who Inanna was in the spiritual understanding of the Sumerians. This is spelled out in Chapter 2. In Hidu Inanna's devotional poems, use both metaphor and action to describe Inanna. In these poems, we see that the very being of this goddess infuses and vivifies all nature and natural processes. She is the divine in matter. As such, she sustains the ebb and flow, the relentless paradoxical reality of the natural world. She exists between blessing and curse, light and dark, plenty and want, goodness and malevolence, life and death. Harsh as her reality may seem, it is the real every living being must encounter, and she is the divine in matter. Implicit in her presence is a divine plan, a sacred order and meaning. Enigmatic as the plan may be, it is inferred by Inanna's careful attention to the workings of the world and the people in it. When Eduhuanana elevated Inanna over the other gods, she placed utmost importance on this portrayal of the divine presence, the divine infusion into reality. And the paradoxical nature of reality was not new to the Sumerians, nor to their ancestors, as chapter 3 explains. Some three millennia before Inhuadunana, the Neolithic culture in northern Mesopotamia, the Samaran painted deep plates with vibrant scenes of women with long hair flowing in ecstatic dance, surrounded by a realm of scorpions. The Samarans also used the ubiquitous earth-hugging snake symbol in their iconography, as did the later Ubaid culture. The principal Ubaid culture goddess is a slender snake-headed figure with a high bitumen crown. Often she holds a little snake baby to her breast. Her striking dark crown and human figure suggest both her regal and authoritative nature, as well as her link to humanity. The Neolithic Samaran Ubaidian lineage continued directly into Samarian culture. Skipping down. Sargon was the first leader anywhere to establish an empire, uniting the cities of northern and southern Mesopotamia under his rule and extending his hegemony into neighboring lands far beyond the borders of Sumar and Akkad. As a result of his exploits, he gained enormous prestige over the 50 years of his rule. He had successfully established a new level of central government, something never before achieved. Sargon, like all the kings before him, invoked the benevolence of Inanna to bring him victory. 
Sargon equated the Sumerian Inanna with the Akkadian Ishtar, report Halo and Vanjik, to lay, quote, to lay the theological foundations for a united empire of Sumar and Akkad, and thus ushered in what the chronographic tradition regarded as the dynasty of Ishtar. Although Sargon invoked Inanna in her warrior mode, he expanded Inanna's role as warrior goddess, planting her banner over the new social institution of an established empire. His feats of heroic conquest, previously unmatched in their sustained success and longevity, rolled a wave of phallic aggression energy new to humanity. Narim um, I'm sorry. The empire Sargon established was perpetrated by his successors, Enhuadana's two brothers and her nephew Narum Sin, who supported and strengthened his first his family's first dynasty. Narum Sin even deified himself as the god of Akkad, thus usurping the authority of the powerful priests and priestesses of the temples. It seems possible that Ihuadunana elevated the paradoxical Inanna in order to reestablish the balance between the reality of the forces of nature and the hubris of aggressive conquest by an individual human being. Skipping down. The, po- the poems in part two portray what so many women long for, a spirituality grounded in the reflection of a divine woman, offering a full sense of foundation and legitimacy as females. In Huduanana describes the spiritual direction as well, a path for women that encompasses the whole of reality. Inanna's devotees, her warrior women, do common work in devotion to you, quote, do common work in devotion to you, whose hands sear them with purifying fire, end quote. Personal, inter- personal integration based on an embrace of the whole of reality is a searing purification that demands sincere devotion. So that was just a little taste of the book we will be reading this month. It's um, it's a nice, nice, let's see, it's about 200 pages, so, um, we're going to take a chapter a week, uh, obviously that's going to be, it's more than four chapters, so this might go on into, uh, August, which works for me, um, Zora42 is the website, it is currently, um, being, modified. I'm currently working on it. I'm excited. I am bumping up the blog. I'm adding a link for the podcast and I'm making sure that the links to purchase my personal book of poetry are easily accessible and that they work. And so you are welcome to check back in in a couple of days. I will have it finished this week. I'm on vacation this week, y'all. So I'm going to go ahead. I would like to go ahead and take care of those type of things while I have the time so working on the website, the book is out. Uh, it is called Zora 42. It is in the tradition and in the essence of Zora Neale Hurston, who happens to be my one of my patron saints. And one day I'll have to tell you the story about how I met her. And I didn't actually meet her. She she transitioned uh, since uh, 
many years before um, I was born, but, you know, in a spiritual sense, uh, I met her and um, was just enamored by her, and I actually fashioned much of my 20s after Zora, and so it was only right that I honor her with my first book, with, you know, giving her the title of my first book, and then 42 happens to be um, a very important number in Gematria, Gematria, depending on how you pronounce it. Look it up if you would like to know more about that. Make sure you talk to the Moors to get your history lessons, to get the other side of the history lessons. Make sure you get those lessons. You need those lessons. If you don't have those lessons, you are at a loss um, because, you know, you need history from, from the black Moors perspective. You also need history from the indigenous people on this continent's perspective. You need history from um, the colonizers' perspective so that you understand where they are coming from and you know how to uh, maneuver in your affairs um, as best that you can. So happy 4th of July. It is okay to celebrate. Just make sure that, you know, you, you, you celebrate for the right reasons, whatever that may be and mean for you. And um, definitely give thanks, give thanks to Soap Set. Tonight, look up, look up at the sky, just take some time, go outside, go outside, like 3 o'clock this morning, stay up, set your alarm, go outside, and you need to just sit there. Drink a whole glass of water, go outside and just sit there for about 6 minutes, 6 minutes, 6 minutes, 6 minutes, <laughs> Yeah, do that. Do that, okay? Do that for me. And then tomorrow, get out in that sun. Get out in that sunshine. Love on your people. Um, you know, when you look at the red, white, and blue, now you can see yourself in it, right? It doesn't have to be colors of oppression or colors of, you know, of, of war, although it's that too, you know what I mean? But just know that at the, when you when you whittle it down to the to the common denominator, it's you. It's you, it's you, it's me, it's us, it's we. Thank you for listening. Talk to y'all next week. Next week, next week, next week. You know what? I was going to play. Yeah, let me go ahead and play my song. Let me keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it unbreakable. Peace. That it would break me, take me off my course Fell, picked it up, realigned with the source Back on the horse like a diver I'm a survivor, victor, picture perfect Work it till it's your circuit Think it, speak it, claim it, secret Ancient, ancient, cadence, murder, fragrance Ultraviolet, how I speak when I'm silent Through my aura, borealis, aurora It's in the bloodline, liquid sunshine The heart, know it and I'm doing my part Sometimes it's switching a blink like a glitch in the link of a chain. Stay off it before I lose, I'm a forfeit. No bowing to the corporate, the devil's in the pulpit. Applaud this flawless, spit gorgeous. Justice for the lawless, that real rawness. Reckless, but softer than the pearl necklace. We out of balance, let's correct it. Stay connected, we resurrect it. 
Then over on the next mission, the wound must be protected and respected. I say, no more victim, that's the mission. Deal with truth any day. Gotta make it over, that's the only way. Go against the grain, work through the pain to get joy. Something to hold on, murder Lloyd. Survival of the fit, we intent, brethren. Seven steps to heaven, wafers unleavened, communion with the inner stellar. Ginger lover, shooting dice with Christ, looking for my Cinderella. Dana Dane blow, plain Jane no, punky booster with the colorful, mainframe glow. Life in bananas, welfare and tannin, regardless. Cry freedom if you really want Breaking the mint, breaking the mint, breaking the mint. 